Good morning, everybody. Welcome to today's podcast. We're located today in Florida with Michael Young, and I'm Tim Fogarty. Welcome to today's podcast, everyone, talking about the boils in the plagues of Exodus. Well, as you know, Tim, we have uh, worked up to the first uh, through the first five plagues. And uh, one of the things we notice in those first five plagues, which are, well, let's go over them real quickly. The first thing that we had in the plagues was that the uh, water turned to blood, now turned to blood so nobody can drink for three days. And then the second plague was we had the frogs that went out, which are kind of like what we see in uh, the book of Revelation when the three frogs go out to bring all the nations together for battle. It's interesting that those two go together. And then the third was the uh, uh, little gnats that were uh, biting gnats and certainly afflicted the uh, eyes and the nose and those uh, mucus areas of the body. So that was a real suffering. And then the fourth plague, as we see, uh, was uh, the uh, flies. And these weren't just regular house flies. That's what you have in mind when you look at flies. But this is a particular type of fly, according to what I've found in my research, and it's a real bite, and more like a horse fly that really just bites and stings. And man, uh, if you can get it and kill it, you want to do that. And uh, again, you see a connection between that and in the book of Revelation, because we have in the trumpet judgment, if you remember, um, the fifth uh, trumpet that blew and an angel came down and opened up the abyss. And out of the abyss flew all these locusts. And it says these locusts had the power to sting men for uh, five months. And uh, But they couldn't die. They wouldn't kill them. But they sure made their life miserable. And they were so miserable that people wished for death and tried to die. But they couldn't. And they just had to endure that pain and that sting and so forth. And so God had poured that out. And, and you would think at that time, that people would repent and turn to God. But instead, it tells us that, like Pharaoh here in Exodus, uh, that uh, he just refused. He hardened his heart still further and said, no, I'm not going to let these people go. I'm not going to let them serve me, uh, serve God. I'm going to keep them right here as our slaves. They're our source of power and so forth. And so we come to the sixth plague now, boils today, and that's in uh, uh, Exodus chapter 9, and we're reading from 8 to verse 12. Tim, you want to read that? Yep. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, take handfuls of soot from the kiln and let Moses throw them in the air in the sight of Pharaoh. It shall become fine dust over all the land of Egypt. And they became boils, breaking out in sores on man and beast throughout the land of Egypt. So they took soot from the kiln and stood there before Pharaoh. And Moses threw it in the air, and it became boils, breaking out in the sores on man and beast. And the magicians could not stand before Moses because of the boils. For the boils came upon the magicians and upon all the Egyptians. But the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, and he did not listen to them, as the Lord had spoken to Moses. Now that's so interesting, isn't it? And uh, notice where they, they took this. They took a handful of soot from the kiln. Now, what is a kiln, Tim? The fiery furnace. Yeah. And, the, and the soot is like ash, like yeah. burnt up ash. Yeah, and uh, they threw them in the air in the sight of Pharaoh. Now, why in the sight of Pharaoh? Because they didn't want any doubt, Pharaoh to have any doubt that this was from God. Because mm -hmm. 
after all, you get soot. It's dead. It's mm -hmm. inert. There's nothing about soot. But when God uh, calls them to throw it into the air and settle it on people and uh, find dust and produce these boils, it had become a living thing almost. And that only can happen with the hands of God. So God was showing Pharaoh, look, I'm in charge of this, as he's been doing in each of these plagues. And now it's accenting, yes. And this is uh, the worst, as we see each plague is, seems to be a little bit worse than the one in front of it. And uh, this fine dust that's all over the land and the boils breaking out didn't kill the people, did it? Mm -hmm. No, didn't kill the people. Uh, but uh, as it broke out and they couldn't even stand uh, before Pharaoh, and of course that was their job. All the magicians couldn't stand before Moses because of the boils and they couldn't duplicate it. And yet still, the heart of Pharaoh was hardened. And the Lord said, Moses, I'm just going to keep hardening the heart of Pharaoh so I can display my miracles. And the reaction was that I want all the people to turn to me and to know that it is me. Now, you have some things that you've looked up about this, Tim. You want to say, it's talks about those? Yeah, a couple of insights on the boil, on the all the different plagues so far, if you read the Bible. We know that Pharaoh's heart was hardened, but it says, if you read it really closely in those first couple of um, plagues, it said, hardened, it said, Pharaoh hardened his own heart. In this passage, it says, God hardened his heart. So you see the difference between the two. Now, God allowed it to happen the whole time on all the situations because Pharaoh's heart was already bad. And But it said, in the, if you read it really closely, it says that Pharaoh hardened his own heart and all the other ones. And this is the first time it says God hardened his heart. So since he was already bad and he was already disobeying God, he decided, and well, God said, well, if you want to do it, keep doing it. I'm going to, you know, it says, you, I can't change your heart. So this is the first time it says God hardened his heart. You know, we also, as we, we look at that, we think, uh, or I hope you draw the conclusion, I know I do, of how this relates to the unforgivable sin. Correct. Correct. Because the thing about the unforgivable sin that maybe you have connected, maybe you have not connected, is that with people that have done that, they don't worry. They think they're okay. They don't worry about their sin. They don't worry about anything about their sin. They're hardened to their sin, and they don't even know the state that they're in, which makes it even worse. Because Jesus said us when he talked to the Sermon on the Mount, or not the Sermon on the Mount, in chapter 13 of Matthew, when he was talking about uh, uh, the parables, and he said they don't understand because their hearts are hardened. And several times he got on to his own disciples. Why are your hearts so hardened? Come on, man. You need to believe. You need to accept what God is doing. And so you and I need to watch our hearts too and make sure that we don't harden our hearts against the things of God, against the things of the Holy Spirit, because he's always dealing with us, always working on us, always wanting the best for us. And sometimes we'll say, no, I, you know, I think I'd rather do it myself. Well, that's kind of a hardening of your heart, isn't it? And uh, the ultimate end of a hardened heart of a person that refuses to accept the Lord is that finally he said, the Lord said, okay, that's enough. Uh, and I remember the, uh, 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 the verse in the Bible that says, he who hardens his heart after many times will suddenly have it broken completely without, remedy, uh, without 
remedio, I believe is the word. I can't remember now if it's Spanish or English, but anyway, it, it, he'll suddenly be broken completely as the meaning of the verse. And uh, that's what we're seeing here. Uh, Pharaoh had now gotten to the point that he had hardened his heart. He wouldn't listen to the Lord. And it didn't matter that his people couldn't stand in front of the Lord. His magicians couldn't duplicate the things of the Lord. And it had to be obvious it was the Lord doing those things. And yet he would not change his mind. He would not change his heart. And again, we see that in uh, Revelation uh, when we find that uh, things are dumped out on the throne of the Antichrist. And instead of uh, the people saying, well, you're right, and turning back and say, you know, the way out of this, <laughs> the way out of this is to repent and turn to God. The people instead blaspheme God and make it even worse. And that's what Pharaoh is doing here as well. He's blaspheming God and he's making it worse. He's hardening his heart. There's also another insight in this uh, chapter that's interesting um, where we see the power of God in this part with the um, boils. The boils was actually this particular plague attacked the gods of Egypt. There was a god of medicine and the boils attacked that god so that god couldn't their god couldn't defend themselves so the this is a, a direct attack of our god the real true god against the god of of uh, the egyptians the medicine god and this 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 plague of the the, the boils was a, a direct attack and this is showing more power of, of god i'm in control here i'm in control i'm showing you that a lot of the plagues in the beginning uh, affected well they all affected the people of course and affect pharaoh and his the country and it basically crippled the country but now we're seeing a boil the boils which is besides attacking the people it's actually attacking the god of yeah. egypt and each of those uh plagues that we've seen so far actually you know they had the frog god and and then when god controlled the frogs uh, they knew the frog god was not something that meant good luck mm. at all. And uh, the Nile also, they had the Nile god, of course, yeah. that provided great abundance to the nation and their whole crops, everything depended on the overflowing of the Nile. When it turned to blood, of course, uh, there was no, there was uh, no uh, uh, source of riches for that year. And so they knew they were in trouble. And certainly they know they're in trouble here. You, you think about it, uh, and, and I think about that old joke, which I'm sure most of you have already heard over and over again about scientists telling God, you know, God, we don't need you. We've learned that we can take uh, this stuff and, and uh, we can make anything we want to out of it. And so uh, they proposed a contest and uh, they said, well, OK, we'll take this dirt over here. And God said, well, hold on a second. Where did you get the dirt? <laughs> and we see here in verse 8 where he says take handfuls of soup from the kiln and uh, over and over again it's just something inert something that's completely dead and yet God calls it to become alive and becomes a, an irritant and becomes something that's going to become active on the the body and and it shows God's knowledge of of course he has complete knowledge of the body because he made it and knowledge of how things work and how to best break down, how to cause and bring about what he wants to bring about. 
And of course, what's the uh, what's the point in all this? Well, the point is that people need to make a decision. And really, that's the whole point that we're making in this sixth plague. It's been in all the plagues, really, but the sixth plague, especially, you need to make a, a decision before your heart becomes so hardened that you can't make a decision. That's God will harden you. And so that's what we're seeing here. And, and you notice this is the sixth plague, too. And what does the number six mean in the Bible? Well, on the sixth day, uh, completion of the earth was fun. Everything was completed. God had completed everything that he needed to, to complete. And you also see a beginning in this in this in this one also with the dust, because remember Adam was recreated by the dust in the ground. Yeah. And the dust in the ground, he took yeah. the dust in the ground and made and made Adam. So you see a beginning in this, you see as a, a, a insight of the beginning of creation, and then you also see the end of everything starting that God created in the sixth day. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, so the dust, uh, which was the building block that God used to bake a man, and, and number six in the Bible always refers to man because it was on the sixth day that God created man. And so we associate six with a number, uh, with man. And that's why in the Bible we come to the number 666, you know, 666, three sixes. And so you have the number of man, which is the number six. And you have it used three times. And what does the three mean? Well, three is a number of the Trinity. Three is divinity. And so you see this 666 really translates to me anyway, that the man who would make himself God. And uh, that's what we try to do all the time, make ourselves God. And that's what's going to happen with the Antichrist. He is nothing but a man. He has satanic power because he's allowed Satan to come into his life and and do all those things, but he's nothing but a man, but he wants to make himself God, you know, he wants to receive worship, and that's how Satan viewed Jesus, you know, although he knew Jesus was God, but he wanted the people to think that Jesus was just a man, and, and that's what we hear a lot of, you know, oh, Jesus isn't divine, he's just a man, but the Bible speaks contrary to that, when it talks about Jesus, it talks about divinity, uh, you can see that especially in Revelation chapter 1, and you look there at the description of Jesus, and you say, well, that's the same as what we see about the description of God, the Ancient of Days, you know, with the, uh, the feet of bronze and fire going out before him, and the, the robe and the golden sash and uh, the star and the sword coming out of his mouth, all those sorts of things. Yeah, there's... There's no doubt that he is divine, and that's what it's trying to communicate is the divinity of Jesus. So it's obvious that we're going to duplicate that. And here we're finding it in the sixth boil uh, when it has a pushback or has an idea, a connection with the idea of men. Men, yeah. So God's saying, I'll show you about men. I'll show you what you can do and what you can't do. And that's going to be it. Okay, so uh, we're seeing this. He hardened the heart of Pharaoh, and uh, he still refuses to let people go. Pharaoh refuses to let people go and serve the Lord as he wants them to do. And when we talk about serving the Lord, well, you know, what is serving the Lord? You know, the Lord doesn't want us to go out and make big buildings for him or or build railroad crossings or anything like that, like the governments and people like that. Jesus said, I've come to serve you. 
And so when the Lord called the people out and wanted to bring them out to serve him, actually what he was asking for was fellowship because he provides everything. He has everything. So what can he give God? Well, the one thing you can give him is your heart. And to serve the Lord means that you've given him your heart and that you worship him in your heart. It's a deep down thing, not because you're forced to, but because you recognize who he is. He is your maker. He is your father. And you think about your earthly father. Maybe he was a bad father. Maybe he was a good father. I hope he was a good father to you. But he was your creator in the sense, wasn't he? And that communicates that when God says, I want you to serve me because a son serves his father. It's built into the very fabric of our society and the very fabric of men and women everywhere. We have and we need to serve God to be complete. So God's saying, I want you to come out I want to deepen my relationship with me. I want to have a people that are depending on me. And when we get through with the Exodus and the people walking out there and how many rebel, there's some great things, some great lessons about what happens and why it happens and what's going to go on with that. Well, have we finished the sixth plague, uh, the sixth plague Tim? Do you want to move on to chapter seven now? We uh, could. The seventh plague? plague? Yeah, we sure could. Okay. Yeah. And that will be the plague of hail. Yeah. Uh, then the Lord said to Moses, rise up early in the morning, present yourself before Pharaoh and say to him, thus says the Lord, the God of Hebrews, let my people go and they may serve me. For this time I will send all my plagues on yourself and your servants and your people so that you may know that there is none like me in the earth. For by now I could have put out my hand and struck you and your people with pestilence and you would not have been cut off from the earth but for this purpose i have raised you up to show you my power so that my name will be proclaimed in all the earth you are still exalting yourself against my people and will not let them go behold about this time tomorrow i will cause a heavy hail to fall such as never has been in egypt from the day it was founded until now now, therefore, send, get your livestock and all that you have in the field into safe shelter. For every man and beast that is in the field is not brought home and will die when the hail falls on them. So whoever feared the Lord of the Lord among the servants of Pharaoh hurried his slaves and his livestock into the houses. But whoever did not pay attention to the word of the Lord left his slaves and his livestock in the field. And the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand toward heaven and that there may be hail in all the land of Egypt, on man and beast and every plant in the field in the land of Egypt. And then Moses stretched out his staff toward heaven, and the Lord sent thunder and hail and fire and down on the earth. And the Lord rained hail upon the land of Egypt. There was hail and fire flashing continually in the midst of the hail, was heavy hail, such as never been seen before in the land of Egypt since it became a nation. The hail struck down everything that was in the field, all the land in Egypt, both man and beast. And the hail struck down every plant on the field and broke every tree in the field. Only in the land of Gushan, where the people of Israel were, was there no hail. I can continue, but it's continued a long time. <laughs> <laughs> one, thing I wanna, one thing I want to mention before our time runs out. In uh, this plague that we just did on the plague of the, the boils, I believe, and I'm not, I'm not mistaken, I believe in all the other plagues, God announced or 
um, Moses announced to Pharaoh that he was God was going to do this. On the plague of the boils, God didn't announce it. He just did it. Is, is that is that correct, Michael? He he. Yeah, that's um, what it says. That's yeah, he God God announced it ahead of time. If you don't let the people go, I will do this. And then it gave him an opportunity to Pharaoh to change his mind, but he didn't. But in the and the plague of the boils, God never said he was going to do it. He just did it because he already knew that Pharaoh was was like he was completely separated he didn't want to do anything and so basically like you said you have that separation you've you've done the uh moral sin he's like at the basically pharaoh is completely hardened he's not going to change his mind he didn't tell him ahead of time and we see that uh you know going on down the, as you look at this the mercy of god in this he announces this plague of which is a terrible, terrifying plague. Uh, it says it tears down and destroys the trees and the livestock that had not been killed uh, in the, the plague against the livestock, uh, which was number five. And then the boils that fell on the livestock and men, which was number six. Uh, he said, I'm going to have mercy on you. I'm announcing this ahead of time. If you leave them out in the field, your servants... And your animals, they're going to be killed by this plague. So you need to get them out of the field. And that's why I said uh, in verse 20, then whoever feared the word of the Lord among the servants of Pharaoh hurried his slave and his livestock into the houses. But whoever did not pay attention to the word of the Lord left his slaves and his livestock in the fields. Uh, so you see kind of an ark there, don't you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> in Noah's ark, what did we have, Yeah. You have all the animals and everything of the earth was inside this one place and in, uh, in this one boat and it was protected. So the ark was the protection of God for his people that he wanted to save. So he's moving all his livestock as slaves into the house under the covenant. And that's the idea. And, and I think we see the same thing when we get down to uh, the book of Joshua when we have rehab who's in the field uh, rehab i'm sorry who uh, is in jericho and all the people that go into her house are saved and all those that are make a decision we're going to stay out we're not going to pay attention to the word of the lord and stay out there every one of them is killed didn't matter if you were six months old or 60 or 90 years old you were killed if you were outside and for us today, that's the idea. You're either in the house or you're out of the house. One more insight on that, too, is you notice in this um, passage, it talks about uh, with the hail, everything affected the whole land except for the livestock of the Israelites. They didn't touch the, the hail did not affect them. So it was just like God was protecting his believers and telling them to go in the homes and stay protected. Similar to like um, we saw in um, Passover. You know, yep. the ones who believed in the Lord was protected. They passed over the house when there was blood on the door doorpost. Right. Same thing. God is protecting those people. He's protecting his own. If you're a believer, if you're a follower of the Lord, God did not affect their livelihood, their livestock. And you notice that this is the seventh plague. And if you ignore what numbers go along with the plagues, then you are not going to get the whole value of it. What does the number seven mean? And why does God use the number seven? 
completion. in the Bible. Completion and, is number and seven. That's kind of a completion thing. Um, and, and so we see this plague is kind of going to be different than the rest in that it's marked by the number seven. And uh, uh, on the seventh day, of course, God rested because he had completed everything. And here God hasn't finished all the plagues. There's three more after this. But this plague is uh, a definite symbol. It's a symbol of the Lord's return. If you want to, if you want to connect it with Revelation, it's a symbol of the Lord coming back. Because he's coming back and it says he'll be on the horse and he'll have the armies of heaven with him and bring the people of heaven with him down into this earth. And again, you have the same thing. Those who fear the Lord, uh, they hurry their slaves into the houses <laughs> into, in this case, the place of the Lord, the place where the Lord is telling us. And that's what that seven is going to communicate. It's time. It's time to make that decision to get into the house, to come under the covenant. And if you haven't come under the covenant yet, I wish you would think about this, not as being something far off, but as something very real in your life. And as I talk to people, and I do try to talk to people about the word, about the Lord, and invite them. And most of the time I just get, oh, yeah, okay, well, I'll do that one day. And, and I say, man, haven't you seen all this going on even in our lifetime? Yep, absolutely. Well, thank you all for coming today and listening to this. I hope that you gained something. We're going to uh, continue on next week, and we'll see you then. And Tim, thank you so much for publishing this. Yep, thank you, Michael, for being a part of our podcast each week. Catch us every week on our radio podcast on the Bread of Life Radio Network. Thank you for joining with us today, and talk to you soon. Take care. See you next week. God bless you. Thank you for joining Bread of Life World Missions Radio Podcast. We are broadcasting 24 hours a day on our Spanish affiliate on the Vida Radio. You can listen to it on our website at www.breadoflifeworldmissions.org. And you can safely give to help support this radio station and our podcast. Thank you for joining us each week. God bless you.